Hello, my name is Bruce Suji, and welcome to our next podcast in the series, which is about your profs and other staff. Before we get into that, if you're just starting university for the very first time, you are now called an undergraduate. Once again, a little bit of an odd name, but you're considered an undergraduate student. That means you're, st- you're hoping to complete a bachelor's degree. There may be other students at your institution called graduate students. What's the difference between them and you? Well, graduate students are individuals who are hoping to complete a master's or a PhD. PhD stands for philosophy doctor. Those are degrees above the bachelor's that you're trying to complete. So with that out of the way, probably amongst the most significant individuals in your new life as an undergraduate student are your professors. These come in many different varieties. Many of your professors will have a PhD. This means that they've typically spent four, five, or six years in university after completing a bachelor's degree, and they've been granted what is typically regarded as the highest award that a university can offer, what's called a doctor of philosophy. That doesn't mean that they've studied philosophy. Their their PhD could be in anthropology, biology, chemistry, engineering, English, political science, physics, philosophy, or any number of different disciplines. However, tradition dictates that their degree is typically called Doctor of Philosophy. This reflects the idea, an old one, that philosophy was the core of knowledge and that different disciplines were really just subsets of philosophy. If your professors have earned their PhD, that means that they've earned the right to be called doctor. And many of your profs appreciate it if you use that title before their surname. I'll admit, I for one enjoy being called Dr. Suji, although many of your profs would also appreciate professor before their surname. In most cases, it will not hurt you if the more honorific doctor or professor is used when you meet them for the first time or if you need to write them an email. They might then say, oh, no, no, please call me Sam, or I don't have a PhD. But at least you will have expressed some respect for their position. And let's face it, professors are human. They all like to be respected. Within the ranks of professors, moving from lowest to highest, there are assistant professors, associate professors, and full professors. Normally, it takes a number of years for your professors to move through these ranks, and usually their rank is in recognition of their research and publication record. Sometimes full professors can have hundreds of journal articles to their credit, or many books, or many other publications. Alas, most universities don't place such a huge emphasis on the quality of teaching as a criterion for professional advancement. 
So the full professor at the front of your class may not have the most engaging delivery, but you can generally be assured that they know their stuff. They will have a very deep knowledge about their area of specialty. In addition to the rank of assistant, associate, and full professor, universities will usually grant tenure to professors after they have proven their abilities for five to seven years. Tenure is a designation that's intended originally to ensure academic freedom. It means that a tenured faculty member cannot be fired without very good reasons, and only very rarely for beliefs or statements they make. In other words, this is a way of ensuring intellectual honesty. Even if a professor says something that might be, for example, embarrassing to their, to their uh, university or otherwise considered to be controversial, a tenured professor is typically allowed to make those kinds of statements. An unfortunate sidelight of tenure is that it's possible that after being granted this, faculty can become somewhat complacent and perhaps stop trying quite so much. If you're in your first year at a university or college, it's quite possible that the professor at the front of your classroom is not a professor at all. Increasingly, universities are hiring part-time faculty to teach large first-year courses. While that individual may still have a PhD, it's possible that they're only teaching a few courses on contract. Alternately, they may be part of a special teaching track at your university, or they may even be a graduate student who is teaching one or two courses while they complete their studies. Why is this important? Well, it helps to know who you're dealing with in your courses. Is your professor, for example, a world-famous intellect? Or, alternately, a busy graduate student, only a couple years older than you, trying to complete their own studies? Or is the person at the front of the classroom a contract instructor who teaches at four different universities while trying to make ends meet? It also helps to know if you are one of 20 students they're dealing with this semester or one of 1,000. One sad reality of many of your professors is that they will have had very little experience outside of a university environment. Academia, universities, demand a high degree of devotion to research and publication. So the people who end up teaching at a university typically have stayed in university from their bachelor's degree through their PhD and then stayed on. Thus, your professors may be a little out of touch in terms of what jobs outside academia are all about. They may be a little bit out of touch in terms of the world outside of a university environment. The other people you may encounter in any given course are the teaching assistants or lab assistants. Both groups are usually either graduate students or upper-year undergraduate students who are being paid a modest sum to get some teaching experience for their resume. They may not know quite as much as, as your professors, but they are often far more enthusiastic and certainly more approachable. In any case, it doesn't hurt to get to know your TAs or lab assistants because they will often get the tasked with the job of marking your papers. Certainly, many of your questions about the course and your evaluations in that course are best directed to them first. Higher up the food chain, 
Above your professors are people with titles like chair, or director, or dean, or provost. In most cases, you will not have to deal with these people unless you're being accused of cheating or unless you're being nominated for some kind of honor. Overall, these people are generally professors who have been selected to take on more administrative responsibilities in your particular school. While they may still teach and do research, in most cases you'll have very little interaction with them. More frequently, you may deal with non-teaching staff who are responsible for most of the administrative machinery of a university. These may include people in the admissions office who are responsible for your admittance to the university, or the registrar's office who are responsible for your quasi-legal contractual involvement with the university. Think, of course, tuition fees. There are also many support staff in individual departments who support your professors and help with the administrative side of teaching, such as the assignment to specific classrooms or scheduling or things like that. There are also usually groups responsible for helping students more generally with their coursework. These departments can include groups that may help you get time extensions for exams because you have a, le you have a learning difference. Others might provide workshops on improving writing skills, better utilization of the library, or honing your study skills. You may have discovered in high school that there are a great many different people who help to provide you with your education, even though you may not know the precise way a particular department or function may be able to help you now, please do not make enemies of them in case you need them in the future. That's it for today's podcast. See you again soon.